you're trying to put so much information mm -hmm. that it makes it hard to identify the things that are really important to the recruiter based on the role that you will apply to. I think number two is I see a lot of uh, people on their resumes not focusing on what they achieved and they're focusing more on what they did. It's like my, you can get rejected just as fast for being overqualified than you can for being underqualified <laughs> because you have to understand. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. I have a career coach and owner of Elevate, Lisa Dupra. How are you today? Hey, Daniel. I'm great. Um, I'm really excited to be on your podcast. I'm excited that you're here, and we're going to be talking about a lot of different topics today, but I do want to start about resumes. I know you have a lot of experience on this, um, and what do you think is the biggest mistakes that people make when creating a resume, specifically when they're creating a resume for STEM majors? So it's kind of obvious, but I've worked with a lot of um, IT folks for resumes. That's my focus too, a little bit. So it seems like they want to overwhelm you with their uh, credentials, right? And I have seen just letters and letters and letters on that I don't even know about. And I'm not sure a recruiter would know about, like if they got a cybersecurity certification, it's got the, all the letters listed on there uh, of the certification and you just see, and if I'm a resume writer, I'm trying to pull through those, you know, and say what they mean, right? So um, the biggest mistake I think is just listing all sorts of certifications, kind of certification frenzy and not explaining what they are. So is it the problem that you, you're saying is that you shouldn't be posting the certifications or is, is it more about how you communicate how those certifications relate to the job that they're applying? There you go. So, <laughs> yeah, so they um, sometimes don't, they don't, the resumes aren't focused enough for the title that you're looking for. So let's say you'll say, oh, I think I'll get that Google certification and I'll just put it on my resume and it won't have exactly the kind of, uh, stuff in there for the certification that's focused on your job that you're looking for. So focus the sort of, you don't have to put everything on. You can take stuff off and just put the stuff that's just for the job you're looking for. Oh, and add some personal stuff too. <laughs> so let's go a little bit deeper onto this because like, sure. I, you know, most of our, most of the job seekers listening, they've been always been trained to just put as much information on your resume so that they can get, either pass through the applicant tracking system or so they can get to the interview. But you're, sh you're saying that, you know, it, it shouldn't be that way. No. Um, and, and since it got very easy to get certifications now, right, ever since the pandemic and uh, Google and uh, Coursera, right, everybody's taking certifications and sometimes they're just throwing them in there. And if you're a recruiter, you don't want to see all those. Uh, you want to see the ones that are just re relevant. In fact, you don't even need to put that many anymore unless they're super relevant for the job. Yeah, and, and I think this kind of goes along to the debate that a lot of people are having on whether should I have one page resume or a two page resume. And I, I would agree with some of the things that you're saying there, because I think most college students or job seekers too, like, they're trying to like put everything they've done, every certification, every group project, every volunteer work, every re course related to the job that they're applying to 
and they're like, hey, the more the barrier. And it's like you're trying to overcompensate for your lack of experience. And in fact, that actually might be hurting you more because you have to understand that most recruiters don't actually read your whole resume at first. They're just scanning through it. And when you have way too much information, it makes it very hard for the recruiter to find the relevant information that's going to help them determine whether they should spend more time on your resume or even bring you to the interview. So think of it this way, and, and that's correct. So think of it this way. I'm a, I'm a recruiter. I look at a piece of paper. I pick it up. I have a piece of paper here, right? I pick it up. I look at it for a couple seconds. My eyes go to the top third right? Yep. So when you're a new graduate, we flip it usually as resume writers, we flip that and we put your education at the top. But now it gets a little more creative, right? If you have three great things you did, put them at the top third, make them a significant accomplishment. It could be something you did in college, you know, but um, we can flip that so that you uh, draw the eyes, right? Another thing is draw the eyes, uh, make something bolder, a different color, but just kind of focus on the top and then go from there. And, and nude grads, you put the education at the top and then you kind of follow with the other stuff. And, and it's very similar to when, when you visit a website, right? Like when you're designing a website, it's like above the fold or a newspaper above the fold. It's like what happens, right? Before you have to scroll down or look down. And it's the same thing. It's, the, it's just more driven on the human behavior side of it, right? A recruiter starts at the top and then based on the what they see in the, the first third of the resume, that's going to help them. Do I spend more time or do I just discard this to the next pile? And that even applies if they're looking at the resume on a physical copy or if they have it on in front of their computer and they have to scroll down to see the bottom of your resume because most of the time they have to zoom in because you're using a font like a nine or a 10 because you're trying to put so much in there. Yeah. So um, a lot of people don't realize that you can get creative on your own. You don't need a resume writer to make a font bigger or to bold something, right? Or to really focus on the two certifications that you got. Put them at the top if they're really valid. And if you have other skills, put them down at the bottom. Yeah, Get the absolutely. resume ready to read it, basically. I mean, the recruiter. Yeah. I think some of the biggest mistakes that I see on on. on job seekers resume is a couple of things, right? Like number one, I do see that you, you have, you're trying to put so much information that it makes it hard to identify the things that are really important to the recruiter based on the role that you have applied to. I think number two is I see a lot of uh, people on their resumes, not focusing on what they achieve and they're focusing more on what they did. It's like, I know what a server does. Like I know what this person does. I want to know what made you special in that role. What did you achieve? How did you make or save the company money. And the number three is understanding that your resume is gonna be scanned more than read and designing your resume for scanning, not reading word for word. What do you think are some of the biggest mistakes you see uh, job seekers make on resumes? Oh boy, that's a big question. Um, you just gave me three areas, right? So uh, scanning it first. If you're uh, putting so much in there, right? It's you're just they call it stuffing. Right? Yep. <laughs> you know, you want the word, you want the right words on there. And there's tons of uh, stuff out there where you can put your resume in and look for the right words, right? You should match up the words. So that's number one. You shouldn't just hit the easy button. Right. Um, so five quality resumes in a week will beat out a hundred times hitting the, the easy, I call it the easy button, but it's easy apply and LinkedIn. Um, 
so that's number one. That's one of the, I mean, just spray, what do they say? They call it spray, spray and pray <laughs> is just putting out tons and tons of resumes. And I think uh, international students uh, are, 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 they don't know, right? They don't know, uh, they don't know the ins and outs of the U.S. systems and all the little nooks and crannies about getting a job. So uh, that would be number one. And another thing is like, um, LinkedIn is a good place to get information, but it's also a good place to get bad information, right? There's a big thing right now on TikTok, right? There's a couple of people out there on TikTok telling young uh, people looking for jobs to do some crazy things, right? Like sneak white, like sneak words into your resume and white letters and all these things. So I think it's about getting someone to ask the right questions. That could be a mentor. I have someone I mentor. He don't, I don't charge him money. He's my friend. He's an international student. Um, I was just, I, I, I thought this guy needs somebody to talk to, right? So don't follow. So I guess my advice that is don't follow everything everyone says. And then one page, two pages, right? It's, it's whatever's right right? It's what's readable, what's usable, and what a recruiter will use and say, this person has the right minimum requirements for the job. So I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I keep on any, any more, I can go on, <laughs> I can go on forever. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I think some, some points that you mentioned there, I think are, are really crucial. It's like, uh, we're drowning in information and starving for knowledge, right? There isn't a lack of career advice on the internet, whether it's a podcast like this one, that LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, um, your school's career uh, career services. There's a lot of information and people who are sharing that information can have positive intent, but you have to understand where is the information coming from and who is it targeted for? Because that might be very different for your particular career goals and what you're trying to achieve. And I would, what I would actually even say uh, related to what you're saying, Lisa, is, okay, who is this person that's sharing that advice and how is their career journey to the career journey that I want to have? Because I would say that the best way for you to reach any goal is to learn from someone who has done it, right? Someone who's walked on that path. Because if you say, okay, my dream job is to work as a software engineer at Tesla, and you're getting career advice from someone who worked as a software engineer at Tesla. I would say that's a very valid advice. If it worked for them, there's probably going to work for you. Like success leaves clues. But so for you to take just candid career advice from someone who hasn't done or achieved or walked the path that you've walked on can be very dangerous and can sometimes be very counterintuitive. Like not counterintuitive, but can actually be more harmful than it is good. Um, and so... Same thing about the resume advice. Okay, like who are you getting resume advice? Like, and how, what's their credibility and, and what's their interest in what's the reason why they're doing and giving you that advice? And sometimes um, the best advice can come from your friends and mentors that actually have been there and done that. So I think international students are uh, quite vulnerable to that, right? Because they just don't know that there's cultural things that they don't know as well, right? And so I uh, go on LinkedIn every day just to kind of check the pulse of what's going on. And I'm, I just see people just grasping at almost anybody, right? And, you know, oh, one page, okay. And then these people will go down the path of one page and waste a lot of time, right? Or uh, I, I see uh, international, I work a lot with Indians by my previous job. Um, and the Indian culture is just, um, they, they just think the better, the more they can put in there, the more certifications, you know, my friend uh, who I mentor a little bit, 
who got a job, by the way. <laughs> um, he was went to a he went to a master's degree program in order to get an entry level data job. So another thing is I think is they're over educating, right? Because they're they are on that timeline of 90 days once they graduate, right? I think it's 90 days, right? To get your uh, to get a job. So I think the time is of the essence uh, for some of these students. And so paying attention to who and what they're listening to for advice, right, is really, really important. Yep. No, I, I think that's important too. And and I, I think one thing you said about being over overeducated, I think it leads to also being overqualified and understanding that when you look at a job that's open, right, you can just you can get rejected just as fast for being overqualified than you can for being underqualified. Because you have to understand that anytime a company hires, they're making an investment, they're making they're taking a risk. And when you make an investment, just like when you personally make an investment, right, you look at two main factors, your risk versus the reward. And when you have an, somebody who's overqualified applying for a level entry role, you might be the most qualified candidate that apply for the role. And you're like, well, I should get it. And the answer is no, because the risk of you being there for at least two years is very, very low. I mean, very, very high. You're going to leave. You're going to get you you're in your head saying, hey, I'll be here for two years. But three, six months down the line, you're going to be bored. You're going to be like, hey, like I could do better. I can be getting paid better. You're going to continue to look for other jobs. And as soon as you get a better role, you're going to leave. And hiring managers and recruiters and HR knows that. So instead of hiring you because you're super talented and very qualified and having you be there for only six months at a best case scenario is counterproductive for the company because they're going to have to rehire, re-interview, retrain, and there's costs associated with that. So companies will also reject you for being overqualified. And that's where I think uh, finding the sweet spot of looking at a job description and saying, okay, here's what's required for this particular role. What are the three to four or five things in the, in the top of the job description and saying, okay, do I meet like 60 to 80% of that? And I think that's the sweet spot because if you don't meet enough of the qualifications, you're not going to get it. But if you meet every single one of them, you're overqualified. I, I also think like recruiters, right? They're suspicious of overqualified people, right? Just like you said, you said it longer than I did, but they're suspicious. They look at it and they go, oh, I don't know. This person's not going to stay. Right, simple as that. So what you can do, I think for international students mostly, mostly new grads, I think they need to think about soft skills, number one, and number two, be interesting. Be interesting, and I don't mean they're boring, but they're so focused on educational qualifications and certifications that they don't, I, I can't find something interesting about them. And that's not that they mean they're not interesting. I'll say, well, what else did you do in college? And they'll be like, studied. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I'll say, well, did you belong in any, you know, you know, groups? No. <laughs> you know, and um, I'll give an example, like Harvard. Harvard University is famous, right? And right now they're in trouble, but it, <laughs> they're famous for um, wanting a diverse student. They, um, for example, I've heard that they don't take always like if you're tops in your class, you're 4.0 and all that stuff. They may not take you because you, if you're just studying and that's all you're doing, they want a diverse student. I've heard this for a long time for Harvard. Uh, they want somebody who's been in clubs, who has a life, who does activities, who has special, interesting things about them. Right. And um, I think that would 
go a long way toward a resume too, right? Um, I have a client right now. He comes to my meetings with a hip hop hat on and big white glasses, and he is he's uh, he's Chinese, and um, he he's he was a hockey player in college, right? Went to a great school. The point is he has something else, right? And I think many people are looking and recruiters are looking for that something else and companies too. I came from Merck. I don't know if you know Merck, the drug company. Um, I loved it there. They were very um, diverse. I really love working there. But they all didn't always take the top candidates from the schools because I work with the recruiting area. Right. So if we can get more, a little bit more diversity of interest into re, into resumes, soft skills, projects, things you've done, I think that'll make them more interesting and have more to talk about in an interview too, along yeah. with their their I, big GPA. <laughs> I, absolutely, I think you you know we outweigh what the benefits of having a 4.0 does, and you have to understand that your GPA is one data point of multiple data points that makes a decision on whether you get hired or not. And we, we over, I would say over invest in our resume or in our, in our, in our GPA. I'm not saying that your GPA is not important. I am saying there's a law of diminishing demand when it comes to your GPA, because the difference between a 3.5 and a 3.8 can mean hours a week of studying in, in difference, but to a recruiter, a hiring manager, 3.5 and a 3.8 is the same thing. You're, you're smart. Right. And so. Um, to your point, Lisa, I think it's like, what else are you, you know, what else are you doing with your time? You know, how are you investing in projects, uh, internships, um, maybe research papers, create the story and communicate that story? Because I've also found that I work, we, we work with uh, so many international students. Uh, that's where our business really relies on. And a lot of them have amazing stories back home, but they're not communicating it when they get here. They want to just like fall back on their education in America. But the reality is you have a great story. You have years of experience. You've worked in teams. You've overcome very difficult challenges and companies want to hear that grit. And it's one of my favorite books, which I just had my whole team read it, which is, it's called grit and grit is actually an even better indicator of success than it is IQ or EQ or anything else. And a lot of our international students that are listening to this, you have so, so much grit to get to this country right? How many people did you beat out to get to your university? And you're not communicating that in the interview. You're not communicating that on your resume. And that is why it's struggling for you. You're thinking that, hey, I have a really high GPA. That should be enough. And that's just not the case. That is not the case. I also do LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn profiles, right? And they're getting more and more valuable, right? That about section, you know, the about section yeah. is the most valuable piece of real estate at 2,200 characters that you could use, right? I mean, your resume is not the place to talk about, you know, I don't know, that your your dog won a competition for speed and, you know, you got a medal. I mean, that's not, <laughs> that's not the place, right? But the place is LinkedIn and that about section, you can really show a little bit of your personality and, you know, it's 2,200 characters. It's like four paragraphs yeah. of space. And they, and they don't use that. Most people don't use that even. Or they do it in a way that is like, sounds very professional. And it's like, that's an opportunity for you to tell your story. Like that is it the is. perfect spot to tell mm -hmm. your story, to talk about uh, your journey, your obstacles, how you have overcome and what are you looking to do with your future um, and so on. But hey, Lisa, I know as we wrap it up, um, if people want to learn more about your services and what you do, what is the best way to contact you? Um, it is elevateyoucoaching.com. And I will definitely put that link 
as well as Lisa's LinkedIn profile here. So if you want to learn more about Lisa and her work and how you can work with her and her coaching program, definitely uh, message her on LinkedIn and connect with her on her website. Lisa, thank you so much for coming. And for everybody listening, catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks. Bye, Dan. How to Get a Job podcast. You do have to identify. And I'm super back. I really wish that. Hey, I have some sales. My dad died when I was three months. What's up? So welcome to today's rant. And in this last episode or interview that you just checked out, it was me talking to Lisa, who has over 15, 16 years of experience working with Merck. And we talked a lot about resumes, LinkedIn profiles, and so on. But I want to give you guys my thought a little bit deeper when it comes to uh, your story, your journey, right? Uh, Lisa talked a lot about how she works with a lot of international students as well. And she sees that we're trying to pack our resume. We're trying to pack our resume because we're trying to get our qualifications to speak for ourselves. But one thing that's really important that we did talk and we, I want to go a little bit deeper is your story. Uh, I see a lot of job seekers, particularly international students that are trying to get a job based on their merit, which maybe in your country and culturally that works. But in America, people love stories, right? And your resume should be able to get it should be the intro to your story. Think about your resume as the trailer to your movie, right? And your resume should want to get people to get to know you more and invite you to the interview to be able to understand and learn from you even more. So yes, does your resume need to have your education? Does that need to have your experience? Absolutely, right? But make your resume that intro, that the trailer to your movie, make it interesting, make it related towards the job that you're applying to. And that takes me to the next point. Communicate your story on LinkedIn. Utilize that about me section to talk about you. Use it like your elevator speech, right? And if you're looking for a nice, simple framework to talk about your about me story, it would be the same way you would kind of share that tell me about yourself. Current, past, future. So where are you currently at? I am a currently, what are you currently studying? Why did you pick your major? Your past, what past experiences, what past stories has created and made you qualify for the jobs that you are applying? And future, what do you want to do with your career? Where do you see the future of your career? And if you could put that in your about me section, that also creates your elevator speech and it tells you your story. Let us know, why did you pick your major? Why did you come to the United States? What are you trying to accomplish? Why do you think you would be a good investment for the company? Remember, every company has limited resources. And when they're hiring you, they can't hire somebody else. And when they're hiring you, they're making an investment. And when you're making an investment, you look for two things. What is my risk versus my reward? So if you have three to five years of experience back home, that's great. You most of the time are going to be overqualified for level entry roles. So you have to communicate with your story while you're looking to build a career there. Minimize the risk of hiring, letting them know that you're looking to build a career and you're not looking for a job. Anyways, I hope you guys find this short rant helpful as I talk about making sure that you're communicating your story. You have a story to tell. Now tell it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Please subscribe. Give it a like. If you're an international STEM student and you're looking to get support on your job search, 
definitely connect with us. Check the link below so you can schedule a free discovery call with me or someone in my team. We would love to help you. Um, that's what we specialize. Have an amazing day and catch you guys on the next episode.